Amen. You can be seated. We were each waiting for the other one to say it. It's so funny. I feel like I... Hey there. Good to see you. I have... It feels like I haven't been here in a month. And most, most of you are like, well, we talked to you last week, you know. But some of you are like, yeah, we haven't seen you in a long time because, you know, I haven't been in Walmart all week. Um, and it do, last night, yeah, but it, do, it seems like a long time. I got, I got the privilege of, uh, I left with a group Monday morning, and we went out for some training at uh, Saddleback Church for some purpose-driven training. And I tell you, it was, I cannot tell you how, how exciting it was. It, this, is, this is scary because I have like three minutes right now. That's all I have. And I could go for about a day talking to you about what happened. But I got to take a number, a great number of my family members there. And just so that you know, it was at my expense, not the churches, that my family members went. I also got to take a volunteer, Ryan Palmer, who's going to be doing some of our small group stuff. And God just moved so incredibly, I can't even begin to tell you. <sighs> okay. Anybody have a paper bag? <laughs> Last year, you remember, I brought something like this shaped up here last year, and um, we had been contacted, and, and they had recognized that what we had been doing was healthy, and we were, a, like we said 12 years ago, a purpose-driven church. And this year, they said that we were not just a healthy church, not just a purpose-driven church, but I feel bad because I'm the one who got to accept this, you know, up on stage, and it was just so cool. But this is yours, you can't take it home, but it's yours. We're, it's going to be hanging here. We, we received the next medallion that says Model Church. They're saying that Journey North Church is a church that other places can look to to say, this is how it happens, that a great, command, a great commitment to the great commandment and a great commission will grow a great church. And they're recognizing that's happening. And so I can't tell you how excited I am about that for all of us. The next one is like a mentor coaching kind of thing. They're already talking with us about that, that there are other churches that are a few steps behind that are so excited to be able to come and talk with us and, and have us just mentor them and help them. Um, one of them is a guy I met there and he says, um, hi, God said, go talk to him. He was, I was in line with him, and I didn't know why. I went up, and I said, hi, I'm Tim. And he said, I'm, and I had no idea what name he said because uh, the, the language that it's in, I didn't even know if it has any vowels in his name. But um, he's, he's from the Ivory Coast. There was 36 countries represented at this conference and all 50 states, about 2,500 people. And... Um, he said, um, we got to talk, and he said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Minnesota. And I, I had to explain it a little bit. And I said, I'd really like to visit where you're from. And he said, yeah, I'd like. I said, stop right there. You would not like to visit where I'm from. <laughs> I said, in the winter, I said, it, it, this winter it was over 40 degrees below. He says, 40 degrees? And then he stops, and he says, below? <laughs> And it's like, yeah, he said, you can come visit me. <laughs> but we're going to get the opportunity because of the amazing things that God is doing here to be able to help some other churches. So I'm very excited about that. And I'll tell you more about that later. One of the reasons that today I am so excited is because I knew that sun up till sundown, 
every day, um, all week. It's, uh, it's been called so many times like drinking from a fire hydrant. That's what it was like. And we were just, oh, it was incredible but overwhelming. And I knew that there's no way I'm going to stand up here and be prepared today. So I was so excited how God worked everything out. We're gonna, we have a guest speaker today that I, I am just so excited about. I, I, we've talked about what he's going to do. It's, it's, I'm very excited for you to hear his message. I'm also excited that all week I didn't have to worry about anything because I knew that it was going to be taken care of today. He also happens to be my next-door neighbor, which is very exciting. So I, I'm, I'd like you to give a, a, a Journey North Church welcome to Bob Burroughs. One more thing. Sure. I get to sit with my wife in church today. <laughs> That's just cool. Awesome. <laughs> Well, good morning. My name is Bob Burris, and uh, I want to tell you I came very close to not speaking today, extremely close, and I'll, I'll explain that in a few minutes. But I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm married to my wife, Heather, um, and we live here, like I said, next door to Tim. We've been uh, attending Journey North for about four years. We've been a member for, I've been a member for almost two. Um, I'm extremely active in Celebrate Recovery. I can't... Uh, remember a Monday night that I missed, and it's such an important part of mine and my wife's life. Um, I'm happy to say, I'm proud to say, that uh, I am celebrating being in recovery from drugs for over 16 years, and alcohol for a year and a half. Thank you. That's not for me, that's for God. Let's praise God for that. Um, I've been working these 12 steps that we have in Celebrate Recovery that go anywhere from uh, being in denial that we even have any problems or that we're broken, all the way up to having a spiritual experience and uh, sharing uh, this message, which is kind of what I'm doing today. Uh, and what's really cool about this, working the 12 steps, is that today I truly know who Bob Burris is through Jesus and that I have a closer relationship with him than I've ever had in my 17 years of knowing Jesus, which is crazy to me because until I was 37, I was an atheist. And uh, at CR, we've had some opportunity. I've had some opportunities to give some lessons. And uh, as preparing for them, I realized that I really liked um, speaking about the truth that is that Jesus loves us just as we are, and that His grace is sufficient for us. A couple of months ago, after I was giving a lesson. I started feeling this pull to kind of be in the ministry and maybe become some kind of pastor. <laughs> but I talked with him about it and asked him if he could recommend a school, and he did. Um, and this summer I'll be uh, going for my bachelor's degree in ministry arts at West Coast Bible College and Seminary, and I'm excited about that. A couple days after that conversation, Tim approached me about speaking today. And I got to tell you, I told him I'd pray about it, but my heart leapt with, like, joy at the opportunity to do this. But I was thinking, was, has he bumped his head? <laughs> I mean, does he know what kind of guy I am? Doesn't he know what kind of person I used to be, that I still make mistakes? And that even though I'm sober now, what a sloppy drunk I used to be? And then I prayed about it. And I asked God, and God said, yeah, I want you to do this. And I'm like, are you sure, God? And he's like, you sing about it. 
from east to west, your sins are gone. You see grace on every horizon. I sing a song called Redeemed at CR. I've, you know what? This is what I'm called to do. I need to do this. So even though I almost did not do this because fear and unworthiness were just ringing through my head, I heard a Zach Williams song on the radio, Fear is a Liar. And the funny part about all this, too, is my, my wife knew I was struggling with being afraid to do this. And she brought up uh, 1 John 4.18, and I think we have it on the screen. Uh, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it's for the fear of punishment. And this shows us that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. But I have experienced his fully love. And I still do. It's that perfect love that brought me and my wife out of a really dark place. So the reason I almost didn't do this is because of fear and other unworthiness, and I'll tell you why. Because those are the two tools that the enemy uses the most. I want to give you a little background on me because I think it's important to show you how far God has brought me from way back there to here. Um, I was adopted. To be more accurate, I was dumped onto my uncle and my aunt. Um, My natural mother tried to have me in the bathroom. My grandmother heard the screams because I guess childbirth is painful. And uh, (laughs) um, after that, I was born, ultimately, I was born in the driveway of my grandmother's house in the back of a police car. Um, No prophetic value to that. (laughs) Uh, um, I was taken to the hospital, and after they brought me into my natural mother, uh, she simply said, I don't want them, get rid of them. My grandfather, a very stoic Norwegian, uh, called his son and his wife, and they come to the hospital. And he said four words that changed their lives and mine. He said, you'll take the boy. And that was that. Three days later, and now I'm going to tell you this story, and you can't make this up. So this is kind of crazy. Three days later, I was adopted by my uncle and my aunt. So my mom became my aunt. My aunt and uncle became my mom and dad. And I'm my own cousin. True story. Well, unfortunately, the family I was adopted into, the whole family, is a bunch of alcoholics. And my father used to stay in the bar every day after work. He was unfaithful to my mother numerous, numerous occasions. Um, This made my mother a very bitter woman. Um, I never knew my older brother that well. He was 16 years older, or he is 16 years older than me. Um, So he was out of the house before I was a toddler. Although I had three sisters, and they were always, always too eager to remind me that I was adopted and that I wasn't really part of their family and that I wasn't really their brother. Um, My mom used to say things to me like, I wish we'd never gotten you, um, and uh, you'll never amount to anything. Uh, Until I was five years old, I thought my name was what the, because that's how my dad would address me. He'd see me and he'd go, what the? What are you doing? And that's a true story. Um, Those words rang in my head for years and years. So way back there was a little boy who was starving for love, acceptance, and approval. To a, a man that grew up to be a drug addict and an alcoholic. To a man that's standing here right now 
who fully knows who I am in Christ and fully accepts God's fierce love for me. I was able to hand over God's, to God the pain that I had that made me the man I was, and he gladly took it so I can be who I am right now. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you are saved. See, the way we view ourselves does affect the way we live. We all sin. We're all broken. And I think if you're not broken, you're probably in the wrong church. Because Jesus came for the sick. It says so in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And because we all sin, sometimes we feel icky. Sometimes we feel unworthy. Sometimes we feel ashamed and unworthy of God's love. Sometimes, these days, I wake up and I just feel like staying in bed. I just dread the day. I feel disconnected. I wake up and I look in the mirror and I go, ugh, you know, I'm getting old. What's the story with this hairline? (laughs) You know, um, I feel my confidence slipping away and even my self-esteem just, you know, circling the drain. I know I'm not the only one that feels like this. But that's a nosedive that if I don't pull out of, I'll crash and I'll crash hard. And the only one that's going to walk away from that is a miserable man with a miserable attitude. We know that we're broken and that we feel like our sins. Sometimes we feel like hypocrites, liars, mean people, or our faith is dwindling. Whatever it is, when I get this feeling, I pick up my Bible. I've got to tell you, this has become my favorite verse. Next time you pick up your Bible, try reading this if you're feeling this way. It's Colossians 1, 21 and 22. This includes you who were once so far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Did you get that? What if we were to think about ourselves as holy and blameless? How amazing and awesome would that be? Imagine just for a moment what a world we would live in if everyone felt this way. The way we would treat each other would be at a whole nother level. If somebody cut us off in traffic, we would actually use our whole hand to wave at them. <laughs> First John 4.10 says, and 11 says, This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. We know that we're righteous before God now because of Christ on the cross. And we find out we're holy and blameless. That's like Christmas every day. It is Christmas every day. And Jesus is the gift. We should feel like Scrooge at the end of the movie instead of Scrooge at the beginning of the movie. And if you don't know who Scrooge is, shame on you. 
I know at times it's hard to accept that we're holy and blameless and that we are his beloved. For me, there are hours and days when I feel holy and blameless. But there are moments, hours and days when I don't. I feel more like my sin, but that's not who I am. I have to remind myself of who I am because of Jesus. I am God's beloved child. I know that in my heart. But I remember when there were times when I faked it. That's where the imposter came in. The imposter is the fake me that appears to be holy and set apart and blameless before a mirror and before my friends and family and before my church. The very man God did not create me to be. In 2004, I read a book by Brennan Manning. He's an author who wrote Abba's Child and Ragamuffin Gospel. Imposers, fakers, and wannabes, he wrote this. Quote, Get this if you don't get anything else. The spiritual life begins with accepting God, accepting God's whole heart and love for our wounded, broken, surly, frightened, sorry selves. There is no other starting point. God calls each and every one of us to come out of hiding. He calls us back from wherever we went running for our lives. He calls us back home. It's always been this way. Adam and Eve were ashamed when they disobeyed God in the garden, and they hid. In one way or another, they've kind of been role models ever since. Why? Because sometimes we hate seeing ourselves for what we think we truly are. I know you've been told this, and it sounds like a cliche, but God loves you. And he calls us. And he has been ever since Adam and Eve. I want to read you Genesis, starting in 3.8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. When the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. He was afraid because God would see his true self, I think. I love the fact that in verse 11, God says, Who told you you were naked? Who told you that you were too ugly or worthless or too thin or too big, too weak or too stupid, too slow, or that you'll never amount to anything? That's not who you truly are. We believe so many lies that people, social media, Movies, catalogs, billboards tell us. We believe so many lies that the enemy tells us. But you need to know that God buys us in an as-is condition. And then he says, I've been looking for you. Is an imposter robbing you of God's love? We've bought into the lie that we're worthy of God's love only when our lives are going well, when our families are happy, Our jobs are meaningful, and life is a success. But when life begins to fall through the cracks and embarrassing sins threaten to reveal our less-than-perfect identity, we scramble to keep up this good front to the world and to God. We hide until we can rearrange our our mask of perfection. And sadly, that's when we don't feel that intimate relationship with God and we lose our faithfulness. 
And all this time we're rearranging our mask, God is calling us to take the mask off and come openly to him. He longs for us to know the depths of our being, that he loves us and he accepts us just as we are. And when we are our true selves, we can finally claim our identity as God's beloved child and experience his pure pleasure in who we are. He sings over us with joyful songs. It says it in Zephaniah 3.17. So I encourage you to just let go of the imposter lifestyle. Freely accept your belovedness as a child of the Heavenly Father. Because in Him there is life. If we could only accept that we are God's beloved, that He loved us enough to send His Son to die so that we could have that relationship with Him. Before Jesus ascended, He sent... He promised to help her. And if we would just let that spirit dwell within us and believe it, that love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the gentleness, the kindness, faithfulness, and self-control, how would that turn out? How would we view ourselves? Because how we view ourselves affects how we live. You are the truest you when you are in Christ. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, wanted everyone to know Christ's love for them, not just in their heads, but in their hearts. Ephesians three seventeen through 19. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And, you may, have, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Paul's prayer and my prayer, I think, are the same. Lord, may we know how much you love us. I recently read a devotional that had a quote from Lily Tomlin, if you know who she is. She said, I always wished I'd grow up to be somebody. Maybe I should have been a little more specific. Everybody wants to be somebody, but how do we know who that somebody is? That's another question that's often asked in this situation, however. The influencers of our world are happy to give you their, give you their answer and then sell you what you need to make it. There's no mystery here in today's worldview Your identity is almost determined by four different things. What you look like, what you do, what you have, and who you know. Rather than basing our identity on possessions, performance, and people, he calls us to enter into the mystery of our truest of selves to experience the profound realization that our true identity is found in Jesus. And maybe you haven't come to know Jesus. He's the only way to the Father. Being an atheist, it scared me when I first heard Lord and Savior. It scared me. And maybe it's kind of driven some fear into you. If you haven't met Jesus or know him, let me give you some advice. Let him be your Savior first, because we all need one. The Lord part will come. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this day, this church. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and his work on the cross. 
that we can be in a relationship with you and brought into your presence and that you would find us holy and blameless before your sight. Lord, I just pray that we would love each other and starting right here in this church, that we would totally accept your fierce love for us and that we would freely pass it on. And that if there is anyone here that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they would ask you to come in their lives today simply by praying this prayer. Jesus, I need a Savior. I know I'm a sinner and I'm in need of forgiveness from you. Please take me as I am and help me to believe in you, that you were crucified, died, and rose from the grave, and that you ascended into heaven. Help me to accept the grace that you have for me. Come into my life, forgive my sins, and save me. Lord, I want to thank you very much for this opportunity to speak. And it's in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand for the final song, as Tim would say. So I I have something I want to read to you real quick. Uh, It's a devotional I read uh, last night. Um, It says, you've got to be kidding me. I didn't see myself. I didn't see it for myself in God's word. I wouldn't have believed it. Ephesians 2.10 says, I am God's masterpiece. Wait a minute, this cannot be right. I don't feel like a masterpiece. I certainly don't look like a masterpiece. But God's word says I am a masterpiece, and not just anyone's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. According to Merriam-Webster's online thesaurus, synonyms of masterpiece are showpiece, blockbuster, success, gem, jewel, prize, treasure, and a piece of the master. Insert any of these words in today's verse in place of masterpiece. Doesn't it just take your breath away to know that there is someone that feels this way about you? God loves what he created. Shouldn't we too? I struggle not to get down on myself. I often focus on what I do wrong more than what I do right. I look in the mirror, compare myself to someone else, and just feel blah. That's right, blah. I wonder what's special about me. It's very hard for me to believe that I am God's masterpiece. Do you have thoughts like these? If so, stop right there and don't let these lies penetrate any deeper. That's not what our Creator thinks. When I listen to the truth, which is His Word, not my thoughts, then I hear Him saying things like, Oh, my child, you don't always get it right. That's true, but I love you so much. Look in my mirror and see what I see. My beautiful creation, my treasure, my masterpiece. The sooner you see yourself for who you really are, the sooner you can take your reign as my priceless princess or prince with a purpose. My masterpiece, you were created in my image, and you are indeed a piece of the master. God loves us. We are his masterpiece. I want to mention this, too, because I was asked to. Um, There's a CR picnic tomorrow, and if it rains, it'll be here. Um, So let's pray again, please. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for joining the North Church in this opportunity to speak. We thank you for your reckless love. What a perfect song to end with. And Lord, we just pray that uh, your spirit would be with us and that we would gladly accept your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.